you're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Welcome to True Life Church. It's so good to see so many of you. It seems like this place is filling up a little bit week by week, so I thank you for being here. Thanks for living more for God, living more for others, and living more for more than yourself. That's what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks. We've been in this Live series, and I want to pick up with the scripture that's kind of spearheaded this entire uh, this three-week focus. So I invite you right off the top to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14 through 15. And as, as you turn there, um, not everything will be on screen today. I ran all, also time to, to put all the slides in there. So I'm just going to call scriptures out to you. I invite you to turn out uh, your phone, your app, Bible app, or there's a Bible in the basket. Um, in the, well, there it is. There's a Bible in the basket. And you're, you're welcome to, to pull that out. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, I just also want to take this time to encourage you to just walk out of here today with the one that you've grabbed onto. Um, we have more than enough to spare. And if you don't have a Bible or if you just are, get really attached to this one today, for whatever reason, put your name in it in Sharpie and just take it out there with you. That is, that is yours. Um, it's the greatest gift we could give. I know a lot of times like we have cups and we have shirts and everything, but if you don't have a Bible, take a Bible. And if you have a friend who doesn't have a Bible, take a Bible for your friend. There's no greater gift you could give. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Again, and this is where we've been the last couple weeks and just building kind of this series out of this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. We've come to all of our wisdom and understanding has led us to this point. That one has died for all, and that one is who? Jesus Christ. Okay, just make sure we're on the same page. This is not something we did or could have done. This is something he did, and he did for all. And therefore, all have died, and he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who was raised for their sake, who died and was raised. So we know shouldn't be living for ourselves. We should be living for more than ourselves. In the first week, we looked at five reasons why living for more than yourself is important. I'm not going to canvas those right now, uh, but just another reminder. If you missed the last couple weeks, they're on our website, they're on our Facebook, on our podcast, uh, so you can get caught up there. We looked at five reasons why living for more than yourself is important. Last Sunday, we outlined four practical ways, four actual things that you can apply into your life to live from more of God. Anyone take one of those challenges this past week and hopefully it no one. All right. I'll go back and I'll read preach last week's again. We can we can have it sink in. It's okay. It'll be a four week series now instead of three. I really I it's my hope that, that you're taking God's word and applying it to your life. Otherwise, this is dumb. Why would I be up here and, and talk at you for forty something minutes? I mean, why? I'm wasting my breath. I want to encourage you as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother in Christ. Don't just listen. And Paul says, don't just listen to my words. Do what it says. Not what I say, do what it says. We looked at four practical ways to live for more of God. So today we're going to close out this series. I'm not harping. I'm not upset. I'm good. We're going to close out this series with living more for others. And I'll tell you what, I'm not here today to tell you things that you could do to live for others. I already do that. You know things that you could do for others. You already know that. It's like you're either hardwired to do it, God made you to do it, to, to, to live that way, or you've seen enough just in, in the world or other good things that are going on. I'm not here to tell you things to do. You already know what you could do for others, whether it's serving in a, in a food pantry. Right? Uh, being kind, serving in ministry or mission here at True Life Church, stopping to help someone on the side of the road, being financially generous. There, there's no shortage of things you could do. And if you're listening, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you can do 
in any situation. So I'm not here to, to, to tell you what you could do. There's plenty of opportunities of things you could do. What I am here to talk about today is, is three important things to think about when or as you do them. You should be doing them, right? We should be living not only for God, but living for more than ourselves, and that includes others. Right? We can't just be selfish people. We're not called to be selfish people. We're called to be selfless people. Right? Just as Christ gave himself up for us. And we're going to hopefully come around to it. If you forget everything else over the past couple of weeks, I hope we're going to come around to the end. And there's going to be like a 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 moment where you're going to be able to count down and at least remember what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. Here's a tweetable. We've had those over the past couple of weeks. Not too many today, but I want to give this one to you. Truly living for others is a byproduct of living for Christ. Anything else is born out of selfish desires. I'll say that again because I know it's not up there. That's okay. Truly living for others is a byproduct of living for Christ. Anything else is born out of selfish desires. Because it makes you feel good. Or because there's some perk or some kickback that, you know, you're going to be kind to somebody. Or you're going to give, but you also know you're going to give because you can write it off on next year's taxes. Like there's, there's a little bit of something like, it's, it's in it for you. A lot of the times we do something kind, we have to consider a few things. First of all, number one, consider your motives. And again, I encourage you to take the trifold and maybe write some of these down on the back. Consider your motives. Say that with me. Consider your motives. Consider your motives. My wife and I lived in Atlanta for a few years before moving back here to Melbourne in 2014. And one of my best friends, his name is Nick, and I have his permission for this story and a couple pictures in just a moment. And my friend Nick is now the executive director of the church that I served at when I was in Atlanta. And uh, so let's put up that first picture there. I think, Lord willing, this is all going to work. Yay, there it is. So, yeah, technically it's two pictures. I zoomed in a little bit. So this is my friend Nick's, the back of my friend Nick's house. There's, there's his garage and um, and there's some, it looks nice, right? Like I miss Atlanta trees because here we have pines and palms and, and I despise both, all right? So I, I do miss Atlanta trees and also they have these things called seasons there and, and the seasons, these trees that look like this apparently, the, the leaves change color and it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. Well, they had some trees there at their house, nice house, right? And... Um, you can see, actually, it's funny because they've already, this is one of the pictures Nick sent me, and it's like highlighted red because they were having to talk to the solar company. They're getting solar. And the solar company's like, some of these trees got to go because we've we got to put these panels on the top of your roof, right? So they had to, they had to clear some, some trees away from the house again so that the roof panels could get more sunlight. And one of the trees they cut down, this one in particular up here on your screen, it, doesn't that look like a beautiful large green oak? Like it's just tall large, green. Green means healthy, right? From the outside, it looks like any tree should. Like if you said, I want a picture of a tree, I could send you this and you would be satisfied. <laughs> but this tree had to go. They had to cut it down. And when they cut it down, let's go to picture two. Picture two. Okay. Sound effects, all right? There you go. So they cut the tree. Now look at, now they can put the solar panels up on, on the roof, and the trees are gone. Wow, look how much light. Well, let me show you what the tree looked like. This last, last slide here. Well, that's not the picture I put up there. You see his porch, but that's cool. It's supposed to be like there's, a, there's the actual root of the tree. It's probably, it's probably down here somewhere because they didn't size it up right but you can get an idea like look at the inside of that tree it is rotted out and hollow and empty from bottom to top the whole way up and when they cut the tree down nick said that the tree service guys were like we're really glad you got solar because the next storm this probably would have come down like the next storm and yes where would it have come down on? On, on their house. So 
they're really glad they didn't able to get in solar, and it, and it gave Nick an opportunity to get, to get that, that tree out. But man, look at that. It looks so good, tall and green on the outside, but on the inside, hello, hello. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, Samuel is about to anoint David as king, though he technically doesn't know it yet. And before Samuel gets to David, he has to consider all the other older brothers who are, who are tall and strong and good-looking. But the Lord said to Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7, just one verse, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, these other brothers, because I have rejected them. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. And as we finish out this three-week series today, we're going to talk about living more for others. We must first consider our motives for doing so. Why do you do good? Why do you help people? Why do you want to help people? What's in it for you, if anything? Because eventually, hollow and rotten reasons for doing works, even good works, will be exposed. Eventually, hollow and rotten reasons, just like that tree, for doing anything seemingly good, people are going to find out why you did what you did. It benefited the self, it benefited the job, it benefited whatever it was. And at first glance, it seems like many people and groups and companies, even nowadays, they're involved in doing good things, right? It's almost impossible to see a commercial for a company now without, they're not even really advertising their product, they're advertising a purpose. And they want to get you involved in their passion and their purpose so that you feel more compelled to buy their product. Who benefits from that? Because do you really think entities like Starbucks or Nike really care about making a difference? I mean, really. No, they care about making a profit. They're a business. Any reason any company does that is a side project to make people feel good or to get you involved or feel compelled to buy their product. It's a marketing thing. You can look this stuff up, you, especially this, this last Gen Z, people want a, a purpose behind the product. So you everything get like a step or two steps behind of like, hey, we sell shoes, but really, you know, 18.25% of every shoe goes to buy a, half of another shoe of a, of a person in Africa. So you're doing good just by buying our product. You think they really care about making a difference? No, they really care about making a profit. And you, besides companies, you have probably known some people in your life who you knew or had an inkling or just that little Holy Spirit gut instinct feeling type of thing deep inside that you knew they had ulterior motives for doing this or for doing that. Anybody come to mind? Don't answer. Yeah, Just think about it internalize it. You, you had people in your life who they, they would do kind things or they would be perceived to be kind, but you're like, there's something else like one or two layers deep. Like, you're not really doing this to help me. You're not really doing this to help them. You're, there's something else there. And you know it. Like, you got that feeling. Yeah, it's icky. Yeah. And sure, it might help in the short term, and they do the thing, but then later you find out the thing they helped really helped them. Or that they just said something kind in the hopes that you would tell someone else that they said something kind and it would get back to them that they said something kind so they feel good about saying something kind. Round and round and round it goes. Giving a compliment in the hopes that you give one back. Hey, you look nice today. Thanks. Don't, don't I look nice? Right? Oh, yeah, I love that new dress. I love, the, I love what you did with your hair. Thanks. 
And you know people like that. And every once in a while, you and I, if we're not careful, slip into that. And we can serve the self instead of living for more than ourselves. Just like that tree, the motives are hollow and empty. We're going to go on a Cliff Notes version tour of the Bible. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. And if you need a memory verse for this week, I want you to circle it. I want you to underline it in your Bible. This is for you. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. It says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Again, we've already talked about in 1 Samuel that the Lord does not see as we see. He has the ability to look inside deeper than we can comprehend. I was talking with my friend Ben earlier this week, and we were having a, having a conversation, and he was sharing with me that if you take all of the chemical compounds and components that make up a human body, the CO2 and the oxygen in your lungs, and you break down every part of every cell, and you weigh those things on a scale... It does not equal your whole body weight. There's like, what was it, point zero? There's a small fraction that's missing. Like if you broke your body down and weighed it, the, the, the components that make up your body, it does not equal your actual weight. I don't know what the exact number is, but let's call it point zero two five percent or something like that. It's just, it's just not there. What is that? Why does that even make sense? There's something beyond what we can see. And God has the ability to see that in us. We look at surface. We see how well you're dressed. What diplomas you may have hanging on your wall. What car you got out of. We look at things just surface level. But God does not see us that way. He does know what you did last summer. And that should scare you, in a way, a lot more than a movie. Like, he knows. He sees you. And not only should it, like, bring you to a, a fearful reverence of God, but it should also free you. Because he is probably the only one who sees you as you truly are and still loves you. And God looks at our hearts. We think everything we do is good in our eyes. Because we don't like to admit we are wrong. Anyone? Show of hands. You love to admit you're wrong. Okay, yeah, you're wrong. Put your hands down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You know, I know everyone's hand would go up for that. But does anyone like to admit you're wrong? No. Well, like, we love being right. And if you asked us, we are right 100% of the time. Somebody else is wrong. And maybe, maybe if we love them enough and if they love us enough, they will convince us that maybe we are a little bit not right. Uh, just a little bit. Not a lot of bit. Just a little bit not right and I'll be better next time. But I'm mostly right. Right? Right. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. And there's something, again, missing on this scale when we take all of our... The Lord weighs the spirit. Isn't that cool? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. You don't have to t turn here. You can go here later. But Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 reminds us that the heart is a deceitful thing. We serve its own passions and its, its desires. We don't live beyond the self. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 9. We will turn here for a couple of verses. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 9. For those who live, and we're talking this series live. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you're in the world, the things of the world is what you think about. It's what you want, it's what you desire, that new car, that new house, that new job, that new pair of shoes, that new video game console. You desire the things of the world, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So friend, how often are you spirit-minded? 
compared to how often you are self-minded. And we would like to say, again, we're right. We're spirit-minded people. We think on what God wants. We desire what God wants in our lives. But I, I guarantee you, and every single one of us, myself included, the reality is, is far from that. We find ourselves being self-minded people instead of spirit-minded people. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? If you're following along. Is what? Is what? Death. Because anything of the flesh does not lead to life. The only way we have life and life to the full and life eternal is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. They don't coexist, oil and water, hot and cold, and tons of other opposites. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. It cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And as we consider our motives for living for more of others, if you're doing it for you, do you think God is pleased? No. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's no gray area. There's no wiggle room. You can't interpret that another verse based on context because now it's 2021 and that doesn't mean what it used to mean. There's, there's, no, it's black and white. It's on the page. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot be done. So if we're going to please God, do we live for the flesh or do we live in the spirit? We live in the spirit and our motives matter. Even our motives matter. Jesus says later, because this isn't written down, this is just right now. Jesus says in the New Testament that, you know, even if a man thinks in his mind or lusts after another woman, it's like he's committed adultery. Like it's already happened. Because God knows your heart. And the world say, well, you know, you didn't send her a message. You know, you, you didn't have an affair. It's okay. And God says otherwise. And so it's a training up and a reshaping of our mind. This is why it's so important a little little bit later in in the book of Romans where we're at that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is why we need to set our minds not in the flesh but in the spirit. Because everything around you will mold or shape you in some capacity. Anyone watching the Loki show? On Disney Plus, show of hands real quick. I'm gonna weigh. I'm gonna weigh if I can get into this a little bit. So, slight not spoiler alert. I'm gonna go there because it's cool. There are two Lokis. Dum bum bum. Now you have to watch it, right? And the Lokis are different because of their upbringing, right? Cray cray. I know. And so they're shaped and grow into different people because of the experiences they had as children. That's still true. So if we have the capacity to create and influence an environment, why on earth would we not make it something from heaven? Because it matters. Our minds and our hearts need to be focused on the Spirit. Listening, discerning what God wants from us, for us. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And now we're going to go to the next verse. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Circle this next word. If, if in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. We're going to keep going. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
And it's a great reminder that when you and I have that final moment of life and we stand before Jesus, it is not our body that enters heaven. It is our spirit. So live in the spirit. James chapter 4 verse 1 through 4. He writes, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What are y'all fighting about? Would you just stop, right? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You've got what you want, and they have what they want, and what you want isn't what they want, so rawr! And marriage is designed to shape us in this way because there is no greater design than to learn how to not get what you want. had a wedding here yesterday it was great Zach and Grace they, they, they tied the knot there and Lord willing they're on their way to California so we set up a, a lot of stuff in here tore it down and thanks so much for so many people who helped us not only take down but also set all this stuff back up and, and clean this um, over the last uh, 24 hours been a nice quick turnaround and they're going to now experience the beauty of marriage. And for those of you married people in here, is it not the most perfect challenge? <laughs> like it is good. And <laughs> difficult. <laughs> David, you're a little excited there about the difficult thing. <laughs> we can talk later, it's okay. Preach <laughs> it, brother, preach it. Much difficulty. You know, Paul says, you know, if, if, you, if you don't want trouble in your life, pretty much don't, don't get married. The man who, has, who marries will have trouble in this life. It's a guarantee. But again, it, it's, no, it's the best design for, to teach us God's way of humility and selflessness. As Mark Gunger says in Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, there's, the way to get what you want is to give your spouse what they want. And it teaches us selfless sacrifice if we apply it. Just like the if that was in the last passage. It's huge. You, however, are in the spirit if you are children of God. So James here, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. You're at war within your desires, fighting. You desire and you don't have. I want, I don't have, boo-hoo. I want, I don't have, boo-hoo. And back and forth, and you want, you covet, and you cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. And I want to go back just a second. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You're like, ah, last time I checked, I haven't killed anybody. It is, a, is it a death to a person? Or have you murdered somebody else's dreams? Somebody else's desires. Have you murdered somebody else's heart to get what you want? Have you just killed it? There's almost like no, uh, no worse heart moment than getting rejected by someone you love or care about, right? Like it hurts. Because it's a deeper wound than just like a friend hurting you. But the person you care about, the feelings are even more exaggerated because you care even more. So when you get hurt by them, it hurts even more. We have to be careful with this because when we fight for what we want so hard, we can kill what lies in somebody else. You covet and you, don't, you can't obtain so you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. Well, I just got to go get a job to go get this thing that I want. I have to work more hours to get that thing that I want. So you ask God, hey, what do you want from me? Should I want this thing? Or you just go do it to go get that thing. You don't ask. And, and when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Like, I ask wrongly? Yeah, you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God, there's this, there's this new TV. OLED, QLED, sub LCD, 55 inch plasma craziness 
It's curved and flat at the same time. It's the coolest thing you've ever seen. And they've got one floor model left at Best Buy. You're like, I got to have it. No TV. But that TV is like more than you have to spend on TV. Like, so what? You, you ask God. I'm like, God, I need more money. Bring me the money. Send me a paycheck. An additional paycheck. I got, I pray radical prayers for a bonus so that I can get that new TV. And again, we're back to what we were talking about earlier. Does, does getting that new TV please God? Does that extra paycheck? Are you planning on, you know, you know if you get an additional $800, you're going to give $80 away? No, you're going to spend $80 on a new 4K Blu-ray player to go with that TV. That's all for you. Gimme, 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 gimme. You don't have because you don't ask. And when you ask, that's wrong because what you ask for, you want for yourself. To spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Again, they're hostile. They're adversaries. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. Finally, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Back a couple pages. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. For you yourselves know, and Paul's going to a little, a little bit of a story on, on how they got there and, and, and why they're doing what they're doing and why they're saying what they're saying. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain, but, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, they'd been beaten and a whole bunch of other things, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of such conflict. Like, it didn't matter what was going on in the crazy world, we're going to talk about God. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. God who tests our hearts. And they have been entrusted with the gospel. Have you and I not been entrusted with the same gospel, the same good news that Jesus Christ lived and died for our sins and rose again and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? And because of what He has done, we have eternal life. Is this not the good news? Have not we been entrusted with the same gospel message? We never came with words of flattery to make you feel good. Motivational speaking messages that don't challenge you. Man, I'm so sick of Christianese memes on Facebook. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's all over on social media. There's almost too many lists or too many names, but it's just a joke. It's like a lot of Christian pastors and churches have just become self-help entities that just want to make you feel good. Like you can overcome your trials. Just believe. Believe in what? What trials? What are you even talking about? Like, no scripture reference even required. We're going to get into the Word. We're not just going to say stuff just to make you feel better. We never came with words of flatteries, you know, with pretext for greed. We don't want this place to be bigger, better, nicer. We want God's gospel, good news to be out in the world. Nor do we seek glory from people whether from you or from others, that we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, living for more than ourselves, living for others because you had become very dear to us. First of all, consider your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for you or for others? The second point on living more for others. Don't forget the middleman. Don't forget the middleman. Let's just show you how ghetto this is going to be today. I'm going to hold a microphone up to my phone so you hear it because the YouTube downloader thing I have no longer works, so I can't play the clip. You're just going to have to imagine and a man, preacher of the good news, named Alistair Begg. 
my dad encouraged me to listen to a long time ago, and I've been listening to and following him. And as the, as in my opinion, the the guys I used to follow or listen to or respect have continually fallen away from the gospel and teaching truth. Alistair Begg remains one of the three or four guys that I'm like, this guy is solid. I saw this video of almost three weeks ago, almost right when it came out. And since then, a couple of my other pastor friends uh, have, have posted or shared this video. But you need to hear what Alistair Begg says. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I... Because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you? Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get their supervisor, Ranger. So, we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. And when we are living for more than ourselves, when we live for more of God, and now when we take it the next step and we live for more for others, we cannot forget the middle man. And I'm talking about the middleman who hung on the cross for us. This is the central focus of the motivation for any works that we should ever do. We can do and try to do a lot of good things and waste our time because we end up not doing godly things. Because he Because of what Jesus has done. We do not live for others in order that we get bigger or attain more salvation or more followers. We live for more of others because he died for those others. We got to get that good news out. Because of what he has done. And our church, Lord, I pray that it continues to grow. But this is never about True Life Church. Last week I talked about solicit the solicitors. You remember that? God brought another guy to my door this week. Right? And he's this, um, I think, Asian-American kid named Dimitri. Moved down from Canada. He's self-proclaimed agnostic. But we had a real... You know, he really, really wanted to, to do pest control on my lawn. Like, and it was going to beat Massey's price. Like, he was really, really sad. I'm like, we just had it done, and this is technically not even our house. But can I ask you a good question? Do you know Jesus? We don't live for others. 
for more of ourselves. I didn't, I'm like, just go to church. I'll, I'm happy to invite you here. But you need to know God as your personal Lord and Savior. That's what I want you walking away with, Dimitri. In our Kings Mill Facebook group, I heard that he revisited most of the houses in our neighborhood. He went back a second time today. He did not come back to ours. <laughs> Pray for Dimitri. <laughs> Consider your motives. Number two, don't forget the middleman. And finally, number three, weigh your responsibility. We've already talked about how God sees the heart, right? We've already, we've already talked about that. I'm going to put this here for a second. I'm out of table. Weigh your responsibility. I'm just unsure how well this is going to work out. We're going to find out. Okay, so a little awkward. That's all right. These are dominoes. Uh, I love playing dominoes. Here we have a, is that a 12 and a 9? Uh, there it is. Double 14s. That'd be a really good one or a really bad one, right? And let's pretend for a second that one of these little dominoes is you. And so here we have, what name should we call this domino? Larry. That's the first thing I heard. So here's Larry the domino. Hi, Larry. Okay, he's shy. Okay, so there's Larry. And Larry lives for the flesh. Larry does not live for the spirit. And so he does whatever he wants. Double 14 domino. What are we going to call this one? Bob. Y'all watch too much VeggieTales. What's going on here? All right. It's like I'm talking to a bunch of Christian people or something. All right. So we got Larry here and we got Bob. Larry lives for himself. Bob tries to do his best to be a Christ follower. Bob has a wife and a kid. Bobby Jr., we need a name for the wife, though. I mean, if we're going to... Sally? Was that Sally? I hear Sally? All right, so we got Bob, Sally, and Bobby Jr. And from this point on, we're not going to come up with names. We just need to know the central characters, right? Because we could get really car- carried away here. So Bob, he's got a wife, and he's, he also has some friends. He's got a couple of friends, though, though they don't, you know... No, he goes to church often. He invites them a lot, but man, they, they, they go hang out on the weekends and everything like that. And Bob has some extended family, you know, a, a mother-in-law, uh, and, and we were talking about quarrels earlier. You know, there, there's some quarrels, um, mother-in-law, and so they don't really say to eye to eye, and, and that's okay. But, but Bob, Bob's got some friends, and, and then Bob, outside of friends and family, then Bob has um, people he goes to church with every once in a while, people who are in his, his life group, and, and, uh, and then... Um, yeah, maybe he serves in the production team because that's a super awesome place to serve. Thank you for everyone who does up there. And Bob is serving, and, and he's active, and he's in a life group. He's got friends. He's got a family. He's got Bobby Jr. He's got Sally. And so here we have Larry. Larry lives for himself. So what happens when Larry messes up in life, makes a wrong decision, and lives for the flesh? Does it matter? Why? Larry lives for Larry. Bob, on the other hand, is a Christ follower. And his motives matter. He needs to be living for God and living for others and living for more than himself. And what happens when Bob messes up? Everybody you know, whether they say it or not, is paying attention to what you say, what you do, where you go, how you act, what you wear, and a million other things. This is not a call to live a perfect life. This is a call to live your life with purpose. You and I are imperfect people. You're going to mess up. 
But when you do not consider the gravity of your decisions as a Christ follower, other people are affected. You want to know why the world has a bad taste in their mouth for Christ followers? Because they know a Bob who had the affair, three times divorced, lied on his tax return, cheats at poker night, lied to you, didn't pay you back when he said he was going to, said that mean thing, cussed out the drive through person because his order wasn't fast enough. preached the gospel and didn't live it. The world knows too many bobs. So what is our challenge? Not only does the world know too many bobs, they know know too many Larrys. And again, this right now is not a challenge for you to live a perfect life. You cannot. I cannot. But what I hope it does wake us up to is that we need to weigh, we need to weigh what we do. Consider decisions, think about them, pray about them with a degree more intentional, more purposeful than someone from the world. Turn with me to the scripture we originally started with. We're going to tie it all back together. First, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read the verse we started with for this whole series, and then we're going to continue. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, no longer live for themselves, but for him, because he, but for him, because who for their sake died and was raised. And from now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh. Why? Because the flesh is death. Even though once we, were, we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. Because, wow, that, that guy, not dead, rose from the dead. Son of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation that God has sent his son Jesus to die for all so that we can live forever. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we live for more of others, consider your motives. Do not forget the middleman and weigh your responsibility. The old is gone, the new has come. Live for Christ. Live for more of God. Live for more than yourself. Live for more for others. So over this last couple weeks, our first week, we talked about five. And count down with me. We're going to go five, four, three, two, one. All right, let's try it again. Five, four, three, two, one. Awesome. We can do that. Five. We had five reasons that living for more of you or more than you was important. For living more than yourself. Living for more means less of you. Living for more means living for God's purpose. Living for more means living by faith. Living for more makes more of a difference. And living for more draws more people to God. Five reasons. That living for more than yourself is important. Last week, we had four. Uh, 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 four practical tips, right? Four things to consider or to apply in your life. To live for more of God, recognize your purpose. 
What were we here to do? To live for more of God? Remember your position. We were meant to be servants of both Him and others. To live for more of God? Reorganize your priorities. Schedule and calendar has to change. Because God is most important. To live for more of God? Recover your passion. Carve out time to be with God. Like a date night style. and All that kind of stuff. Because as we're going to come to in a minute, we had the Mary and Martha story. There's a big difference between what Mary was doing and what Martha was doing in the presence of Jesus. So we had five reasons that living for more than yourself is important. We had four things that you can apply to your life to live for more of God. Today we have three. Count them. Three. Ah, ah, ah. Right? Three things to think about as you live for others. Consider your motives. Don't forget the middleman. And weigh your responsibility. Two, Jesus narrowed all the law and everything the prophet said down to two things. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. One. Last week we talked about Jesus saying that there was one thing that was necessary from the story of Mary and Martha. What was it? Being in the presence of God. One thing is necessary. You can do works. You can be busy in the kitchen like Martha was, making pancakes or whatever she was making. And Jesus said, one thing is necessary. Five reasons living for more than yourself is important. Four things you can apply to your life to live for more of God. Three things we hopefully learn today. Consider your motives. Don't forget the middleman and weigh your responsibility as we live for more for others. Two things. Jesus said, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is our call to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And one thing that's necessary. Be with God. Friends, I hope this has been a, a helpful series for us. I know it's helped me. It's God's word. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for it. So let's pray.